Hello, good afternoon and welcome to Aspen Weight Live. I uh, hope you're well uh, this Wednesday. Lovely to have you with us as always if you're watching on the live streams or listening uh, on the podcast. Uh, very good afternoon uh, to you. Um, a very good afternoon to Darren Talbot, uh, the Chief uh, Financial Officer for Aspen Weight uh, Wales. Darren, as always, a uh, pleasure to have you on. Good morning, Ben. Pleased to be here. Um, we, we, we are a man light at the moment. Um, Rob is uh, not so well and um, he's fine, just, just a little unwell, so he's not able to make it onto uh, today's programme. Uh, Gary White uh, will be joining us very shortly um, to talk about a few of the things that we're going to discuss uh, today. But for the, for the meantime, we're absolutely fine um, with myself, Darren, and in your great company as well. So wherever you're watching from, you know, you let us know where you're watching from as well and get your comments into the show. Maybe there's something that you want to talk about today. Maybe there's something that's really important for you and you've been thinking about over the last few days and, and you think, yeah, you know what? This would make a good topic of conversation for the live stream and the podcast. I want to ask that question. We'll do it. Get it Get it into the uh, live comments. And if you're listening on the podcast, unfortunately, it's not real time, but you can still email podcast at aspen-weight.co.uk and um, you can let, let us know what you want to talk about in the next podcast it's as simple as that so let's just start by picking up a little bit from where we left off last time we talked about well-being Darren on the last show and it's something that is becoming more and more important to just daily discussions isn't it yeah I think it is and and you know as the weeks go on um I think you know a lot of businesses are now thinking about preparing to come back but they're still has not got any confirmed dates. So there's always a little bit of a bubble of excitement that the lockdown could sort of be released for certain industries, more and more shops starting to open. And then you sort of, you think it's, for example, restaurant owners, they now start to think, oh, I could, perhaps I can get back, perhaps I can do something. And then the next day they're told that, actually, no, they, they can't go back because they're probably going to be one of the last ones to go back. Therefore, they build up their sort of, you know, thinking that they can get their business back on track. And, you know, people are stuck at home you know, they've got their staff who are obviously worried um, about, you know, their futures of their jobs. And we had a sort of a, a bit of a debate yesterday at uh, one o'clock. And I think this is one of the important things about business is collaboration. And um, one of the part, uh, part, partners and, and the managers from uh, Leonard Curtis, the insolvency practitioners and general specialists, and myself and a couple of other accountants, a couple of solicitors, a couple of funders, chewing the fat really and we were talking about sort of mental health and well-being and the setting up of working from home but also talking about sort of those false promises and these loans and everything out there and there's so many things that people are getting excited about and then excited for then get let down their mental health must be all over the place and I think it's really important that you know people are looking after their, their staff even the ones on furlough I think I've heard some, 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 some tough things this week in some businesses where you know I've talked to them and say I'll be talking to your staff or no I'll be talking to my staff well, you need to talk to your staff. Just, you know, I'm going to ask them to do work, but keep in touch with them. Maybe do you know do a, a quiz or just let them know what how the business is doing and and what your what your what your, your future plans are. Just to communicate and get them on some training courses, because if you're not looking after your staff, then you know they they will become sort of depressed, sitting at home, doing nothing. Oh yeah, you mentioned quizzes there. I think there's been been more quizzes done in the last three weeks and they probably has done for the last 10 years so I, I can imagine anybody that's a quiz master that maybe does it in a pub 
when we when we finally get out of this, going back to the, the to to somewhere that that puts it on, and people going, oh no, not another quiz. We can't we can't be doing with this. <laughs> We've done them all to death. Or the other thing that's happening, and and this was a, a true story. Obviously, having been a part of a couple of quizzes myself, is that the people are obviously googling quiz questions. So if, if you're a quiz master out there and you use Google for your quiz questions, everyone's going to know the answer to them because they're coming up time and time again in these uh, in these quizzes. But as you said. Uh, Darren it really is important I mean like we touched on we talked about leadership a little bit in one of our shows a couple of weeks ago and 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 it's now time for as Rob said great leaders people to um, really forward think and, and and look at what they're doing look at how they're communicating um, with their staff as far as uh, individual mental health we've touched on this a little bit on the shows but I've felt it myself been fortunate enough to be very very busy over the last few weeks and I know that you have as well Darren um, with the work that we're doing but it doesn't matter if you're the you're busy and you're strong-minded and you haven't had problems in the past you you everybody at the moment is is um, in a position where they're they're vulnerable to uh, mental health problems because of the way the world is set up and it's um it's challenging isn't it it's really challenging it is challenging and it's, it's it's really difficult for a sort of a business owner and a sort of leader to sort of you know, to delve into someone's sort of, you know, sort of pertinent questions. But, you know, it does take strong people to do that. But what you find is that, you know, the people that's really busy and the ones that's always chipping and chirpy, like myself, you know, I've had my own struggles. They think, well, Darren's fine. Look at him, he's always happy, telling jokes and everything else. But in my mind, I'm like, things going on, thinking, how the heck am I going to cope with all this work? Or uh, my biggest fear is failure. Not my failure, but the failure to help clients. And with all these schemes coming out, I'm trying to keep abreast of how to do the various schemes and how to support the best way. But but the thought of myself failing a client and not getting them a loan, so I've had I've had a C-bill loan rejected. Ah, it just knocked me for six yesterday, thinking, oh, this client, how can I help them survive now? And I think, you know, by that support, you know, David phoned me this morning and said, are you all right, by the way? I said, I noticed, I said, no, I'm a bit stressed about this loan. And having that conversation, just five minutes with David, oh, well, look, he said, you know, we can, we can just... Talk to people, you know. If, you know, even the, you know, the, the sort of strong-minded people like myself and, and 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 busy people can you know can quickly sort of go downhill, really. Yeah, I think that's that's, that's a really important point as well. Um, I I said to somebody uh, a while ago, you know, you don't, we, on the podcast, we, we on the live streams, we don't want to state the obvious. And and I and the, the thing they turned around to me and said was, was sometimes you need to, sometimes you need to talk about the obvious things because it helps people. And it also shows that we're all we're all human, and and that point that you made there is really important at the moment, especially I would say. Even though there's a little bit of hope, and I think this is my biggest concern, there's a little bit of hope that we were going to come out of lockdown. And there's a, there's a, we're split. I think we're split, and uh, half people are saying, "Oh, this is it, coming to the end now. Numbers are going down. Going to you know, economy's important. We're going to get out of this." And there's another half of people that are saying. It's not going to be like that. We're not going to get back to normal life until next year. And actually, when you talk about coming out of lockdown, it's going to be small change and still your normal way of life isn't going to be your normal way of life. So it's a very it's a very confusing time right now. But just to have that conversation and I encourage anyone that's watching as well to get involved and, and you know, show us your thoughts. What, what are you thinking right now? Because we try and analyze it Darren don't we as, as far as the businesses and economy and what's going to happen 
but it's it's almost impossible. We just we just don't know what what's going to happen. No, we don't. And this is the difficulty. I mean, and the clients phone you, and and they almost think that you've got this inside knowledge. You're talking to the revenue. Some senior guy at the revenue must be giving information on furlough. And we discussed it yesterday, you know, around the table, and we've been having conversations with HMRC about furlough and the pay coming through are coming through really quick. But the difficulty always is is where you've got, you know, this three months end is going to end in June. What happens then? Because not every business is going to come back. Are they going to extend it? Are they going to give a furlough with say fifty percent? Are they going to give it to different sectors? And all these different um, conversations that there might, might might be the clients almost you know answers. And it's a little bit frustrating for us sometimes, but yeah, it is difficult. And you've got to sort of keep positive with clients. And you know what I mean, like I said, is it, it, by talking to them, these little collaborative groups, then you, you have these little nuggets of information and you think, so, I never thought of that. That's a good route to go down. And, you know, we just talked about the AYE and, 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 and asking people on the call yesterday, out of the nine people there, who is advising their clients on maybe not paying the PAYE or holding up the cash, keeping that war chest so they can keep people employed. And, you know, everybody was saying, you know, you know, all of us are sort of you're holding off on PAYE as much as possible. However, the revenue are saying it all has to be paid back by next year. Then, you know, some of the, some of the people you're talking to, there's millions of pounds. It's going to be very difficult to pay it back in next year. But no one knows the answers yet on how the revenue is going to pay. Could it be your year by next January or March? Or could it be that they, certain industries that build up too much PAYE will have to be over two years? There are no answers, and I think that's the where it gets a little bit frustrating, and those people get excited that they can survive, and then they get slapped the next day. Let's let's bring. Um, delighted to say that Gary White has, uh, has joined as well. Thank you for giving up your time, uh, Gary, uh, this lunchtime to to join us. Just to bring you up to speed, we're just talking about um, a little bit about mental health and and well being, and how this is just a really confusing time and I'm not saying that everyone's in the same position but when we went into this everybody said right this is going to be really tough big changes Boris made the announcement we've we've seen seen the sort of reaction from businesses from people and now we've got to a point where there are a number of people that believe this is going to be over in the next few weeks and we're going to get back to normal and there are a number of people that are thinking this is not this is not going to happen in the next few weeks it it must be very difficult Gary to give advice to uh, to businesses and to give advice to the people that you speak to on a daily basis when we're we're in limbo and uh, and we we don't really know what's happening exactly i mean un- uncertainty in business is uh, is always very difficult to deal with um but it is a fact of life you know uh, I, I think most people that have gone into business um accept that um things aren't uh, you know, straightforward, and there is, there are risks involved. And uh, you know, if we were that worried about risks and uncertainty, we wouldn't have set up businesses in the first place. We'd all be working in jobs, uh, you know, relatively safe jobs if, if we could. So, I think I think um, most business owners are resilient and adaptable, and uh, you know, strong enough to really withstand those, those uncertainties, and also realise that there, you know there are more important things in life, like preservation of life and that sort of stuff. So, I, I do think most people, certainly from the impression I get from uh, people people I'm dealing with are pretty hardened to it now and resilient and uh, are, are pivoting in very in many cases completely coming up with new business ideas and products and new ways of delivering services so I've been, I've been so impressed I've got to say about the, the, the how, how people have adapted you know um, they don't just sit back and complain about stuff they're just getting on with it and dealing with it and um, I think a lot of companies have come out of it a lot better actually but um to answer the question, really, in terms of the uncertainty and when things are likely to be back to normal, no one's got a clue. Uh, I don't think anyone 
you know, people can forecast, but it is just finger in the air, isn't it? It's all down to the stats and it's all down to, um, you know, the, the, the actual um, uh, the virus and how, it, how they can sort of start to control it or whatever. So no one really knows. And I think if you look at some of the mistakes that a lot of the scientists involved uh, made in the early days, um, and possibly even you know how our own government reacted perhaps a bit slowly for it. You know, the Sunday Times have been bashing them, bashing them off a bit over that, which doesn't really solve any purposes at the moment. But I'm sure they'll be in quest afterwards. So uh, lots of mistakes, lots of underestimates, lots of forecasting errors, and I think there's lots more of that to come. I'm sure it, 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 is, it is very difficult. There's no doubt about that. Gary, just before we carry on, we could see uh, I think on your screen just see uh, some window frame. I don't know if you've got your your camera flipped the. Uh, the wrong oh, way. It's lovely to see you, um, everybody that's uh, watching, obviously not so much listening, they've just heard you as uh, uh, as normal, but we try and get Gary back on the on the screen, we can certainly hear him, but um, we're, we're flipping around and get him, uh, okay. get him back on oh, the screen. That's all good, do apologise. It's alright, no, no, absolutely fine. Um, so, we're, uh, we wait for Gary just to uh, play with, there we go, we can see him now, he's back go. on. Um, I, can't, I couldn't re- resist with the two of you on the show. I think one of the things that has come up in the news a, a lot in the last few days, we like to get sport in while we can. Um, this issue around professional sport to start with, and this relates to mental health. There's a lot of people that are, are obviously shut away from sport and and that that does have a direct impact on mental health so for anybody that's watching that may say and i know there are a few people that always say look there's so much going on in the world it doesn't matter football doesn't matter sport doesn't matter and to to a certain respect uh, to a certain extent i i I accept that but but there's another side to this and this is what we started talking about today which is mental health and well-being and football and sport not plays a massive part not just if you're taking part um, for your well-being, but if you're watching, and Pete, there, there there are people that are obviously missing any sport, whether it's football, rugby, tennis. I know snooker was meant to be the world championships at the moment. They're they're, they're playing reruns. It's a big part of people's lives, and it does have a huge impact on well-being and mental health. So there is, I wonder, obviously the financial situation in the Premier League in football, but also. A few articles I've read over the weekend is that there, there is this, these emergency meetings going on to see if we can push through finishing the Premier League. Now, I'm not I'm not being kidded into thinking this isn't down to um, money and lawsuits if, if, if it isn't finished. But a lot of it, from a government point of view, is if we can get these games played behind closed doors, it might encourage people to stay at home because they'll have things to watch and they'll, you know, it might help mental health. Um, you two are involved in in football and and Darren obviously rugby as well. What what's your sort of take on um, the link to mental health and and how we can we can get sport back again? And is it is it is it viable? Is it worth is it worth the risk to improve well being to get to get football back on the screens? I mean, shall I say? I mean, I I think I think it, it may be. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I actually started what. Uh, programs last night um, before, before bed, and there was one on there the, the ten maddest moments in football history or something. Ian Wright and Alan Shearer on there with Lineker, and I haven't really watched any of those, but I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've got to say, and it made me realise that how much I am missing football and stuff because uh, you know it's uh, there's thanks to Netflix, there's so much other stuff. It does sort of distract you, but you're absolutely right. I mean, um, you know, it's a massive boost for morale to. to and it's a big social thing, isn't it? I'm, I'm missing everyone at Hatebreed Swift, that's for sure. 
because that's such a big part of our social life and and, um, and, and the team as well, the players, the great lads, and uh, it gives a, a huge boost to so many people to, to get out and get some fresh air and watch some football and have a bit of banter and shout and holler a bit, hopefully nothing too abusive, but, you know, you do need that. You need that that, um, that release valve, and at the moment, um, very few of us have got that, um, unless you're looking through old reruns of uh, you know, 60s and 70s football and that sort of stuff on YouTube. It, there's, there's loads of it there, but none of it, it's all old hat and it's all, it's all out of date, of course. But, yeah, it's a massive boost to mental health, isn't it? and it could be a, a balancing act. Certainly the West Ham back four have been uh, practising social distancing for quite some time now uh, <laughs> in premiership games, so uh, I think they'll be adequately prepared for it if, when it does come back. Over to you, Darren. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think everybody I talk to sort of um, sort of in the my world in terms of working with uh, accountancy and rugby, everybody the, the fans are craving something. So you know, for instance, that when I work as it was obviously for the Cardiff Blues, the the the, the team manager John Melville does a does a uh, quiz on a Thursday night for 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 anybody who wants to join, so supporters and, and the like. But also, I think it's time to be sort of. Quite, they've been quite sort of inventive. So what they've done sort of um, at the Blues, for example, is that they've looked at sort of past five of their biggest games. Um, one of them was obviously the cup final uh, when they lost at the post in Bilbao. And um, interesting enough, you know, what they did on that was they put the game on full and live, but they had a, a couple of the players, a couple of coaches on there. So every time there was a break in play, it went to the sort of video screen like this. And they were talking about, oh, yeah, I remember that tackle and, and I remember this next play, what a brilliant bit of kicking work or whatever. And I think, you, you know, it, fans really engage with that. Um, but I think, you know, you've got to think about the sort of mental health of the sort of, like I said, I'm deeply involved in, in grassroots football um, as well, you know, coaching. And I'm really missing that, that interaction with the kids, bringing them along. But you've got to think about the players as well and their mental health. They must be, you know, they use that social interaction as a, as a team. At the moment, they're training on their own. And I think also there's been a bit of a you know, negative press as well. So, whereas, for example, a couple of our players have got criticised because they were training together in a park and they phoned the media, Wales Online, all that. Unfortunately, they don't get the true facts. These two people live together, so they can yeah. train together if they want to, you know what I mean? And yet it was like, oh, the, you know, blues, kind of blues players are, are doing this. And hang on a second, no, actually, they live together. So, you know, please don't criticise this fact. But yeah, I think it's, um, I think a lot of clubs now are trying to be proactive in terms of season tickets, saying, you know, they're not going to give uh, refunds. They're going to look at credit, credit notes towards your next season ticket. There will be a great demand, I think, for, there's going to be a great demand for sport. Like, it's, so look at the Bundesliga, I was looking at relaunching. I don't know if that's been confirmed yet. But I think, it does, you know, sport, yes, it's, it doesn't save lives, but, or does it, you know what I mean? Because the mental health and, 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 and is very, very important, and, and young adults and males, you know, you hear the tragic stories time and time again. We've got a local group in Bajan called Lads and Dads, and I, you know, I've, I've been encouraging you all to sort of look at my uh, sponsor page, you know. I think I'm a bit of a fatty, I love my training, but I've been out on the bike, and I think if it wasn't for the Lads and Dads group, which is all to support the mental health in the Bajan area, They've come up with a scheme that, A, guys, we want to do the 2,200 miles over three weeks, a group of 15 of us, running, walking, cycling, get involved. So it's got me out in the rain, and it's made me feel so much better by doing that. But not only that, it's also we're raising money for charity as well. And I think uh, I've seen today something from the rugby world that the players are now trying to organise things themselves in terms of helping charities, because they're stuck. They, they, They can't do all they want to do. There's only so many hours a day you can train on your own. And I think, you know, 
the, the, that mental health element goes across from the players to the fans to the you know, the managers and the, the coaches. Don't forget, you know, the groundsman who's, who's not there digging, you know, fixing the field, all those type of things. Everybody is struggling. Yeah, that's very true, Gary. You know what Darren's saying. It's it's um, you know, we think about uh, mental health as far as the you know the, the people that are watching, but like Darren said with the rugby players, it's it's also those players that are not able to play. And I know it's slightly different for, for Haybridge, the, the, the club that you're the chairman of, um, because it's part-time, so it's not their full um, you, you know, job and work. But you could argue that's even more important then and, and what those players, and uh, not just the players, I, as I talked to you a little bit earlier, Gary, and we were talking about people involved at the club that are coaches and scouts and um, the, the people that come to the club every week to put on the you know the board the boardroom and the tees and the everyone involved has a massive part of their life uh, missing so for these things to start to happen would really have a, have a huge impact on them absolutely i mean it's it's uh, a big part of their life their social life the interaction the camaraderie the banter you know we've got a great social club there which we've recently refurbished you know it's absolutely superb condition that's probably the best in our league you know and uh, you know as soon as we got it finished and the lockdown happened we had like the two weekends where we, we took a heck of a lot um, and we had about seven parties booked, you know, so um, yeah, it's a big sort of community, big, big uh, hub for the community that we've got there. And, uh, and it's the same emotional on the league club, you know, it's uh, not league football is massive, you know, the, par- the pyramid system, um, so many clubs around the UK and, uh, and sport plays such a big part in, in mental health and wellbeing. You know, I've, I've many times in my life over the years when I've been on really, under pressure and, and certain sort of things, a very stressful work or whatever. Then I've gone out and played 90 minutes of football and ran around like a maniac, crunched into a few tackles, which I apologised afterwards in the bar for. Um, you know, and it, it's amazing the boost, and you feel so much better for it. It's it's a massive, massive thing. And uh, so any any form of active sport, particularly team sports, because you get that camaraderie and you get that. Uh, you know, I've always loved team sports and. And really, it's because of the people. You know, you look back at the team sports I've played, football teams I've played for over the years. We're pretty much in touch with each other, and we all we all keep in touch where, where we can. And, uh, uh, and and every so often, someone will put a, a memory up on Facebook or something, and something that's hilarious that happened in a, a Sunday league game or something like that, and you've forgotten all about. You know, fantastic benefits. And uh, you know, the the longer that goes on, that we don't have that the higher incidences there'll be of problems with mental health because, um, you know, business pressures, you need an escape valve. You have to have that. When we talk about business, uh, Gary, we often talk about football and um, we, we, we share lots of stories on WhatsApp of the Premier League and the Championship and the, and the finances. I found quite a, a bit recently just talking to people uh, through Skype and Zoom on the phone, family members, friends, uh, friends of friends and, and, and people when we do quiz nights and we, this, we get onto this topic of things getting back to normal and football and there is a, there is a view probably amongst m- more non-football fans that you know these players earn so much money that who cares about them you know that they're, I'm sure they're all right with their monies and their and their cars and um, who cares about these football clubs because they're you know football is not important they're they're show offs they've got all this money you know no one needs it and I, what I think I have to make that distinction with my friends is there is the elite and then there are the rest of the football world and some That's of these right. clubs are, are struggling just all the reasons we said people that volunteer people that watch their team week in week out honest good hard-working people and I don't want to preach on this show, but I think back in uh, 1992 when the, the Premier League came in, um, looking at it from a more analytical and financial point of view, um, 
it, the, the, the football changed and it went f- away from the the real fans and the real people with a passion into into something now that is a is a is a bit of a money monster. But we have to make that distinction between the two. It's important. It's, it's huge. I mean, you, you're absolutely right. You're probably talking about two percent or one percent of all footballers, you know, enjoy that sort of wealth, and 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 it is short lived. It's you know, you get two three year contracts that sort of stuff if you're lucky. But the vast majority of footballers play in say League One and downwards, um, non league and everything. It's, it's probably not even one percent earn good money. The rest, the rest have got day jobs, or you know, and and they might they may be full time pros in League One, League Two. But as we saw the other day, I mean, Colchester United have released I think four or five of their top players um, who they would have re-signed on contracts at the end of the season. They just simply can't afford it. They've had to let them all go. I mean, there were six in the table, um, and the, the, the chairman of Colchester, who's a friend of mine, um, was on there talking about it on TalkSport yesterday morning and said, look, we've just got no choice. We subsidise the club as it, as it is from his, his company. He's got an internet recruitment business. And so they had to make really sort of tough decisions there, you know. And this, this, the club captain, one of them, is, 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 um, is gone. Uh, his contract's finished and he's, and he's not been re- re-engaged, you know. That, and that's an example of the uncertainty that's there in football for people that outside of the elite levels, you know. It's, there's, there's no job security at all. And that's, uh, that's just that's going to get worse, you know, there's no doubt about it, because most of those clubs are heavily subsidised by businesses anyway. I think the average um, non-league, Sorry, the average uh, League One club is losing probably a million, two million a year. That's someone somewhere, a benefactor, putting that money in. Because you, you, know, you can't borrow money against it from banks or anything like that. These, these you know, Forest Green's another example. I think there's something about two million a year going in there. And that's a, that's a great club with a great purpose and, you know, the sustainability and uh, eco-friendly club and everything like that. But it still costs the owner of that business at least two million quid a year to sort of um, to finance it. Um, it's 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 not sustainable. You know, there will be more clubs that will go to the wall, sadly, like Berry and uh, Bolton Wanderers nearly went, um, and and they still go, you know, still still precarious now. So, I think that as the longer this crisis goes on, the, the more failures there will be, sadly. Yeah, and Darren, it's it's almost uh, as if um, we we touched on it there, but looking at it from a, a business point of view, that that there are a, a large number of the the ninety two that are uh, clumped in with the big. 10 if you like and and actually it's it's such bad press for them because football gets um you know from from that point of analytical point of view in, in general it gets clumped in together so I, I read an article about reading women's team for example furloughing players and um, the press pick up on it when anybody even in the football league says well they're the first club in this division or the first women's team or they've um, you know this team have now furloughed their backroom staff or players and the the, the the reason why this is an issue and it's picked up by the press is because of the the money that's supposedly in football but it's it's really not yeah i think there's a lot there's a lot of negative media without the sort of full facts you know i mean without the furlough scheme a lot of these teams would fold you know what i mean and you know it's the it comes from the grassroots people aspire to be you know a footballer from the young age not not many people make it it is the only the, the elite but you know these are you also remember that you know what Gary was saying with those those five players being released they are people yes they might do in you know x amount of money and they're not you know premier league for players but what is they you know they got a contract pass at the end of may what happens to them because at the moment what club is going to sign them because there's no Start, start. No, you don't know when the season's going to start. We don't know if the, the, the end, you know, the season's going to finish, um, and therefore they're a, bit, a little bit in limbo. And, and yeah, you know, you might think that obviously they, some of these people earn big, big money, but they've also houses, and you can't just 
switch off the you know switch off the tap on your bills and everything else. So people have to adjust. So I think you know it's there's there's far. I think this I've seen a little bit less of it, but the social media, the negative press, the judgmental people out there that that, that are looking at sports and and other, other things without the real facts in the background. And we've got you know just in the Blues alone now, we've got a number of players that are coming to the end of their career, retiring, and we've got people that are, that are, that, are, that have come to the end of their contracts and. You don't really feel for them, for them people, because at the moment there's not many, there's not much of a market for for, for players because people don't know what their funding is going to be like, they don't know what the broadcasting is going to be like. There's all these unknowns, and therefore they don't even know if they got a job come 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 the end of May. And that's you know that's that these people you know, are lucky enough in in this team environment. They are trying to support each other, and you know because they need that support. They they, are, they, they have families as well. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a real uh, tough time. I think we've we've tried to um, put a balanced argument across as far as uh, the reasons for for sport and people involved in not just football but rugby and other sports as well for their mental health and well being uh, to actually be able to go uh, and do those things uh, and the impact that that will then have on people that get to uh, to watch it. Um, just finally, while we're talking about sport and finance, Gary, we had a conversation uh, earlier. Uh, about R and D uh, and and the, uh, the the benefits in probably a lot of football clubs, and I'll extend this to rugby clubs and, and different places that may not know um, the, the things that they can do in and around it. I know we're going to do a special show on that, but it, it's it's worth mentioning at the moment when we look more away from mental health and more towards the financial side of supporting sport that um, this is a, a big time as well to look at R and D uh, within a football club. It is. I mean, it's something that came to me a couple of years ago when um, we got two new sponsors came into Hayward Swifts, um, probably getting on three years now. Um, and I looked at those companies, got chatting to the owners of the businesses and talked about their future strategies and stuff um, over a pint after a game. And, and, and they just sort of mentioned the fact that we do R&D and they asked about that. And then um, asked, I assumed that they had made claims because they were quite good sized businesses, fairly innovative and everything like that. And they hadn't. I was I was I was quite shocked, and um, we ended up doing a claim for one of them, which was I think at the time it was two years, and it would come out to almost two hundred thousand pounds for the corporation tax. So for his investment in our club, for a bit of advertising and a bit of marketing, um, you know, the payback was huge, and it got me thinking. Well, there must be quite similar situations like that at other clubs. So I think you and I a while ago, Ben. You gave me a list of clubs that you were connected to or you knew people at. So we had a look at their sponsors because you can see it on the website. Um, and we did a quick look, and, and there were loads of clubs that, uh, or loads of companies associated with non league clubs that, on the face of it, weren't making R and D claims. And I just thought that we could create a, a sort of fundraising, a club fundraising scheme, whereby that um, they refer uh, their main sponsors to us. We do R and D claims for them, and then pay a proportion of our fees that we're owed, and by way of some sort of commission referral fee, back to the club itself. So. Uh, a good way of uh, you know them raising money, and uh, we've done that with another club. In fact, Dorking Wanderers down in uh, in Surrey, which is a, a really really good club, really fast um, moving club, going up through the divisions um, up near the top of the National South now. Um, and they've got some great um, sponsors, uh, and and that's working out very nicely as well. So I think uh, I would certainly suggest a lot of non league clubs consider that, and uh, if they want us to to do a little you know, no obligation check on their five biggest clients or whatever. We could do that and then give us give them a sort of um, indication of what those companies could be doing and that would help them to cement their relationships with those sponsors in, in particular yeah we have some really good people within uh, aspen weight uh, that, uh, that are in 
oh, we have a lot of great people within Aspen Weight, but particularly in the sports area, uh, someone like Gary who um, would be able to help uh, you with that. And Darren as well. Darren, you obviously work very closely with uh, a rugby team and, and the finance side in sport is something that you uh, have a lot of experience in too. Yeah, and you know, we started in the Blues you know, nearly two years ago as, as looking after the finances and very quickly recognised that they would do an R&D themselves. But that thing, that element, which I've seen, you know, has come from from Gary with clubs using the R&D scheme as a referral back, you know, to generate some income for the clubs is, is great. We haven't done that in the Blues, but what we have done is we've worked with the main sponsor, with the main sponsors. Seven club people now that, that we're, we're doing work for in the R&D space or you know, supporting through this through this, through this COVID-19. Um, and the good thing is with that is that they come back to the club thing. This, this guy's you've got here yeah, because he works for the Blues and Aspen Weight. He's brilliant. Um, I'm going to sponsor again this year. Now they're based on site, uh, you know, and it just builds up that relationship. And again, the guy said, cements it that relationship with the club. I think you know from the from sort of. You know the sports clubs themselves not realizing that you know some of the innovative things they do. Um, now I talk to a lot of the rugby clubs in South Wales, and you know we've gone through sort of um, a compliance test with, with HMRC quite recently on a on a on a, on a, on a club. And do you know what? It, it's it's funny because everybody thought, oh HMRC, what are they going to do? They're going to phone me and oh, I'm panicking. We've got it. Our claim has gone into query. It is the most enlightening and brilliant experience you can have. It's a little bit stressful because they're saying, well, tell me. Actually, the people on the, on the HMRC are trying to do their job. They're saying to me, prove to me what you're doing is R&D then. You go through the process of saying, well, this is the base case. This is what we, this club is doing. And bit by bit, you get a good insight from the, from, from, the, from the revenue inspector where they're coming from. There's nothing to be afraid of. But using then sort of the expertise of the of the, of the uh, um, HMRC inspector, you can move on to the next game and say, well, okay, this is what the HMRC don't like in sport then, and this is what they do like. Okay, great. So then you obviously find some other opportunities then within the sort of sporting world uh, and, and, and sort of get some R&D back for other clubs. So it's, you know, a lot of fear. Um, we always get that question, I think, for, not just from sports clubs, is what if HMRC query my claim, will they look at my other taxes or will they do anything else? No, the answer is, I mean, they, they want to understand, at the end of the day, if you can imagine um, an HMRC inspector, probably some of them know nothing about sport. The one we dealt with knows about sport, and we were talking about a particular mouth guard and the technology. And in the end, I said to him, look, you've got a son. If we could give you a mouth guard that costs you £100, right, instead of costing you £50, but that mouth guard tells, every night, tells you that your son's got hit 20 times in training every single week. And there's other people in the club that are only getting hit once or twice. There's something going on here. And all of a sudden, he questions the club. Then maybe look at some video analysis and think, hang on, this young kid here, 16-year-old, who's, who's, who's got this mouth guard, he's putting his head on the wrong side all the time. Okay, three weeks three weeks on, it's stopped, it's stopped him doing what he's doing. He's going to stop him getting concussion in the future. And therefore, obviously, you know, for the sake of £50. And the revenue inspector went, oh, I never thought about it. That's amazing. Right? You know, and it's just, you know... Having those conversations, they are people, you know, they're just like you and me. And when you've got the technical manufacturing claims or when you've got industrial claims, it, it, I, someone talked to me about chemistry, I wouldn't have a clue. So, you know, you've got to explain to these people uh, why why you're doing the R&D and, and, and how it works for sport, manufacturing, or whatever industry it is. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point, Darren. And, and, and you know, I would, I would echo that. I, 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 every time I've met HMRC people, so a lot of these things, things in writing always seem a bit confrontational and a bit difficult and, you know, awkward. But when you meet them face to face and you talk stuff through, 
it's a lot easier, isn't it? And you can build that relationship, or if you just meet, you know, speak to them over the phone. And I, I always remember the example. I used to work with a lot of clients in the milk industry, milkmen. Uh, they all had their own little businesses, and uh, about eight of them were, were investigated once for, uh, for for tax and everything. And, and you know, it's a bit annoying, really. And we had a few meetings, and you know, I was going up to the tax office, and in the end, I invited the tax man concerned, who's now re retired, um, I'm sure, because I mentioned his name. Um, but he was a uh, and, and he came to me. I said, look, this is costing money and it's time and everything. Can you come to me? And he turned up at my office and we, we hit it off. We got on really well. And, and the whole case got, all the cases got resolved much, much more quickly. Because he came down, walked into my office, had West Ham pictures everywhere in, in, in our board meeting. And um, he was also a West Ham supporter. And, it, and suddenly, the, the, you know, we got on like a house on fire after that and we resolved the thing in, in no time. Whereas correspondence and letters going backwards and forwards was just getting adversarial. And... Uh, but you're absolutely right. Yeah, they're people, and then if you treat them like people, and you accept where they're coming from from their side of the, the questioning, it will always work. And uh, yeah, face to face is best. Yeah, there's some really, uh, really interesting stories from both of you, and some great insights um, for for I'm sure what a lot of clubs and um, you know uh, sporting practices are going to go through over the next. Uh, months and, and probably years to, because of the scale of, of what's happening never has there been a better time to look at your business uh, very carefully and, and see where the help uh, is and, and I know that Gary says this a lot but so many people don't realise that there is there is there are things that they can do and there, there will be money available. Steve uh, Collins a uh, fellow Aspen waiter um, brought to my attention uh, Capitalize.com recently, which is this uh, a, a website, a crowdfunding website for loans. That, that be brilliant. So you get your client, you can do an application, you can do a search across all the funders and find the best deal, the one that's going to do it the quickest and most cost-effective way. Absolute brilliant system. And I've seen that around before. I've seen Capitalize.com and just ignored it. But Steve did an email around and said, look, I think you ought to look at this. We've got an account set up. Absolutely superb. So that's just another example of things that you do when you, you know, in a difficult situation, you've got perhaps got time to look at it because you have to because you've got to be there to help with the clients and that. And lots of clients have struggled to get answers out of their banks and everything. This might be another little solution. So I would certainly uh, want to talk about that in, in a bit more detail in the future future event. Yeah, we definitely will. We will do that. And uh, as we say, if, if you need any help or uh, support, then you can email uh, friend at aspen-weight.co.uk and we'll point you in the right direction to uh, our you know, experts and, and Darren and Gary, just two of those uh, people that will, will be uh, obviously receiving your queries and inquiries. And if there's anything that you're not sure of, do let us know. Um, do email and uh, get in touch and we'll best help you. To, to move forward, which I'm sure lots of people will be doing. And we focused today on uh, mental health in sport. We focused on finance in sport. We'll talk in more details about both of those things uh, in the coming weeks uh, and months. Uh, I'd just like to say a big thank you to Gary for uh, jumping in at the last moment to uh, replace Rob today. Uh, delighted to, to have you on, Thank Gary. You. Um, Sorry about the little video blip. I do apologise. No, no problem at all. I think people enjoyed having a look at your net curtains or window, whatever Not that sure. was. <laughs> um, and obviously, a big thank you to uh, Darren uh, as well for coming on, and we'll be back on again uh, next uh, Wednesday. Uh, right, all that remains is today. I sometimes forget to do this. I've got to choose a song. If you're listening on the podcast, that's going to uh, follow in just a moment. And if you're watching on the live stream, all I can do is just encourage you and point you in the direction of a, a song later on when you're going for your walk or you're uh, just having a moment, maybe cooking your dinner. 
I tried to think of something today that would be relevant to uh, sport and relevant to where we're at and talking about mental health and you know getting back to playing and watching sport and so it took me down a road to Queen and uh, we are the champions I think it's a, a wonderful track uh, just the, the best um, band of all time for me and something that I hope we hear soon in the near future because that that would mean that football and sport has returned once again obviously synonymous with uh, all, all different sports and uh, winning in sport. So uh, Queen, We're the Champions uh, is the track for today. Once again, big thank you to uh, Gary uh, and Darren and thank you for watching as well. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, click the bell uh, in the YouTube channel just to get notified when we go live. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast. You get it delivered uh, to your uh, device every single day, uh, Monday to Friday. It's been a pleasure today. Enjoy the rest of your uh, afternoon and we'll see you again tomorrow at 12.30 I paid my dues time after time I've done my sentence but committed no crime and bad mistakes I've made a few I've had my shelf and kicked in my Thank you all, but it's been no bed of roses.